Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When I saw that property's condition after the tenants left during that 18-week period, mate, it was completely a different property. Um, doors missing, stolen ovens, stolen hot water systems, holes in walls, drawings, feces on the floor, um, you know, you name it, mate, this property was absolutely ruined. This is Property Investor, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Jeremy Anazani who in his 20s already owns 12 properties in a portfolio worth over $5 million. He will recount tenant horror stories of missing doors and stolen ovens, how he recovered from these experiences and how you can learn from them too. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Anisani proves that research really is king when it comes to investing in property. With an accounting degree already under his belt, he undertook an entire year of research before he bought his first property. My name is Jeremy Yanazelli and I'm a partner with two accounting firms in, uh, located in the western suburbs and southwestern suburbs being Parramatta and Liverpool, Keshub Chartered Accountant and VJR and Associates. I'm also a partner of a legal firm and a bookkeeping firm as well. Um, my, uh, my journey obviously is, uh, is quite a little bit but uh, I, I do enjoy uh, obviously doing the accounting side of things, that's my passion and uh, also my passion uh, secondary to that is property investing. So, what does a property investor with so many positions do in a single day? My life is filled with obviously putting out fires. Um, so, being an accountant, we obviously experience a lot of different things that my clients go through, whether it's just simple tax and accounting questions all the way to complex structure questions. Um, my clients are buying properties every day and selling properties every day. And I, I spend a lot of time um, advising the clients of the tax outcomes and tax-related positions that one would be looking at when selling or when buying. And uh, myself as a property investor, um, if I could describe myself in a short couple sentences, I'm aggressive but calculated. Um, so I like to always continue the momentum with property investing and I always try to ensure that I'm developing my knowledge and skills. Uh, but on the other side, I'm always being very calculated with the uh, with the numbers and the risk that I'm entering to, as any investment has a bit of risk. And it's all about ensuring crunching the numbers uh, to mitigate that risk as much as we can. The son of migrant Italian families, Anazani grew up in southwestern Sydney. 
I've spent a uh, majority of my life living in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney in an area called Kasula, located between Liverpool and Campbelltown. Um, I went to school in those areas um, and went finished high school in those areas and obviously went to university in those areas while working full-time after I finished my HSC. Um, presently, I'm living in an area and uh, called Leppington, which is uh, in the southwestern suburbs again, in a new estate called Willowdale on the Cannon Valley Way. Um, and, and I base myself out at Parramatta as well as a little bit of time out in Liverpool. Uh, that's that's a little bit of, I suppose, where I grew up and where my roots came from. My family are, are a migrated Italian family. Um, initially, both started their sides out in the western suburbs, but first off was in Griffith. So we come from a bit of a, an agricultural background. Um, and both sides of the family migrated to Seven Hills and then Minto. Um, so we've we've predominantly um, lived in that southwestern corridor, um, being closer to home, obviously a little bit cheaper, I assume, as well, back in the day. Uh, that's a little bit about uh, where, I, where I grew up, mate. From his grandparents to his parents, education has been valued highly in Anazali's family as the means to a better lifestyle, especially for his grandparents arriving in Australia in the 1950s. Migrated at a very early age. I, I do, if my memory serves me correct, I think they actually were born here. Uh, but grandparents migrated here um, in, in the late 50s, early 50s. Uh, spent a little bit of their time, obviously, uh, finding work wherever they could. English was a, a bit of an issue back then. But my parents now, um, obviously, education was very important uh, to my grandparents, and they did ensure that my parents did go to, to school and university. And my father has been an accountant, believe it or not, for about 39 years. Um, served about 35 years of that at PricewaterhouseCoopers, been one of Australia's largest accounting firms. And my mother uh, was a sc- has been a school teacher for the last 25 odd years. Um, so always education was a very strong foundation in, in my upbringing, um, as it was for my parents as well. Although he'd prefer not to admit it, Anazani was never sold on following his father into accounting. But soon enough, he fell in love with the intricacies of the profession. I very rarely tell people the story, but initially um, accounting wasn't something that I was uh, was keen to get into because as we can all be aware, we think it's quite a boring job sitting at an office all day uh, and crunching numbers, uh, yet do we know there's so many different areas of accounting one can get into. So, you know, I was a bit, um, I suppose, hesitant on entering into university with an accounting major. Um, but quite quickly, soon after I started university, I, I got my first job in an accounting firm and, and never looked back and enjoyed everything that came with it. I quite realised that it's more about the advisory, more about knowledge rather than sitting down and punching some figures into a calculator. So it was it was something that I believe my father always had his intention, that his son would, uh, myself that, have been uh, enter into the accounting realm. But it wasn't something that I really grasped until I was in my late uh, late 18, early 19 uh, years of age, and that's when I really understood that there's a lot more to accounting than sitting behind a desk and, and hitting numbers all day. It's uh, about real-life experience, and it's about converting that real-life experience to help your clients. So that's why I fell in love with uh, with accounting quite early on, because I, I realized that there's just so much more to it. With his father also an esteemed accountant, Anazali feels blessed to be able to work with and be mentored by some of the best in the business. It's a two accounting firms which I'm a partner on, one of them which I'm transitioning into but fully take over the partnership in uh, July, which is Keshub Chartered Accountant. Um, that one there I've been working with for the last eight years 
And VGR and Associates is a is accounting firm that I've had I share with my father, both fifty fifty, and that was his transition out of PwC and into VJR and Associates. So I'm lucky enough to have two fantastic mentors, and both and and Manzuru, which is my other partner, uh, actually used to work with my father at PwC. So I'm very very lucky to have two extremely experienced mentors uh, guiding me throughout the process and then throughout my many years to come in this. Uh, in this occupation, mate. So that's a little bit of where I sit in, in, in between those two accounting firms, a partner in both, mate. It is clear that along with an appreciation for learning, he was also instilled with a strong work ethic from his family. I was uh, not, not sent to work at a young age, but I wanted to work. Um, I've always loved standing on my own two feet as much as I can. I, I'm a big pride person. I, I always try to do things by myself where I can. So I started my first job at a pizza shop, as all 14-year-old kids do, and uh, worked there you know, during my school life for about two or three days a week, mostly on the weekends. I also held a, a, a refereeing position. Um, so I used to love soccer and I still love soccer and I used to referee soccer during the winter on my weekends as well. Uh, for a little bit of cash money, obviously less a little bit of the tax that referees used to pay to the governing body. Uh, I did that up until obviously um, my, my teenage years, my formative years. And then uh, during my summer vacations, uh, well that summer vacation between um, between school and university starting, I actually uh, mowed lawns, believe it or not. I was a green, worked in a, a golf course mowing lawns for those nine weeks, um, up at six o'clock in the morning and at home by about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I quite quickly realized that uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> After this realization, he decided to pursue a job that would enact a less demanding toll on his body. And naturally, he fell into accounting. I've got to have a taste of a little bit of, I suppose, a harder occupation, a bit more taxing on a young body. And I quite quickly realised that I think, no, an office job is the best way for me to go, especially working in the summer, 40 degrees heat, whippersnippering and cutting lawns at a golf course. So that's, that was where I uh, and the jobs that I held uh, up until obviously I entered into a full-time role as an accountant when I was about 19. Working in as an accountant since 19, it's unsurprising that Anazali has proved to be an accounting expert at only 27 years old. It's been almost heading into my ninth year, ninth right. year as an accountant working full time and I'm loving and learning um, all, a lot of things along the way. So it's been great, mate. It's been fantastic to apply that to my university degree, but it's also been fantastic to apply that to some of the things that I'm doing today. Um, in, in my property investing or in just creating different businesses and, and becoming a little bit more of an entrepreneur. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about Anazani's learning curve beginnings in property. Problem was is that getting tenants to stay there longer than three to six months became a, a very real problem and getting both sides rented of that duplex was also a very, very real problem as well as well as the moments that made him go, aha. Oh, mate, I've, I've had that, that being probably one of the significantly hard moments. You'll also learn how you can follow his next property investment step. So I'm going back through my existing portfolio and finding where I can add value and that, that value could be through some subdivision, that value could be through some granny flats. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies 
that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. From a young age, Anazani quickly realized the potential success and relatively low risk of property investing, which, as he says, anyone can do with the right education. Property has always been very ingrained um, in, into me, definitely as a young as a young man. Um, I think it comes back to a little bit of Italian heritage and culture. Definitely, they didn't trust the banks, and uh, property was was, I suppose, their way of securitizing their investment. Um, I was also lucky enough uh, when I started working at Keshub Chartered Accountant to be working alongside um, my soon-to-be partner, Manzurul, and I, I saw his property portfolio at the time, which was in his early stages, but nevertheless uh, very impressive. And I was working with a lot of my clients who were also property investors. At that stage, again, most of them with five or uh, you know, five or seven properties, and now they hold anywhere upwards of 20 plus. I saw quite quickly how important uh, the power of leverage was and being able to borrow for an asset and getting a gross return on that grossed up value being the the market value of the property. So I saw quite quickly um, the yields and the returns that people were getting. And it was at the start of, say, that 2009, um, heading towards that 2010-2011 period where properties really started to move. So I said to myself quite quickly that if these people who are working and working quite hard and saving their money uh, are able to get these, you know, fifty to sixty, seventy thousand dollar a year market value increases, or otherwise known as equity, in one year without working, I knew straight away where my money where my money had to be. Now I knew quite quickly at my age as well that the share market was a little bit out of my grasp. There was a lot of variables involved. Um, movements, you know, just with one comment from a director could send the price upwards or downwards. Uh, however, property was a little bit more secure because it's something you can see, touch, feel and smell. It's there. It's not going anywhere. If a director from Telstra mentions one bad comment, it doesn't reduce the price of our property as such. So I knew straight away that that is where I wanted my money to be. As I said earlier on, it comes back down to a calculated risk. And when I do the figures and when I do the calculations, the risk in property, what I saw even at a, such a young and early age uh, was that it is a secure investment and if you buy right, it can have the right yield and dividends for yourself in the future being in the equity growth. So that's why I um, I started to get into property because I saw a lot of people who weren't rocket scientists becoming very successful and becoming very wealthy and they're using property as a tool uh, to, gain, to gain that wealth. Uh, that was why I started. Being constantly surrounded by people with large portfolios is one sure way to learn and grow your own portfolio. His clients with up to 70 properties provide the best property investing education. We're very lucky. We're very lucky. We manage around about nine and, and it's a blessing. And I, and I always tell my clients that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the clients that I do uh, because every day I'm learning from them. Now, one possibly can't know all the areas to invest in Australia. It's just too many. But when you have 950 client groups lodging anywhere between two and a half to 3,000 tax returns, mate, I learn a little bit off all those clients. And I would say very conservatively that 95, if not higher, percentage of my clients own properties. 
And those clients are not owning just one or two properties. Those clients are owning anywhere between the vicinity of five upwards of, say, 60, 70 properties. And some of these clients are self-made. Some of these clients are transgenerational investors where they've inherited a portfolio, but they've gone on and, and made it quite larger. So I was very lucky to be challenged by my clients about specific areas, properties and and calculations and feasibilities. And it encouraged me to go out there and look at these particular areas and gain my own research. So I've learned a lot, mate, and and I've I've been able to gain my knowledge and and a bit of experience from some of my clients' mistakes um, or some of my clients' successes. Uh, And at the same time, I always believe that uh, when you are challenging your accountant, it encourages them to go out there and learn more themselves. So, mate, it's definitely not me sitting uh, by book every night for 10 hours. It's uh, a lot of challenging uh, from my clients and a lot of information sharing. I I do believe there is power in numbers. And if we have more people around us searching and wanting a common goal, we can all learn off each other. And that's what I did, mate. I spent a lot of those early formative years learning from a lot of my clients and asking a lot of questions, uh, replicating their successes and obviously uh, not replicating their, their failures. So that, that, that's been a very good help for me, mate. Rather than give specific property or financial advice, he strives to guide his clients in the right direction for them, simply by sharing knowledge and experiences. Due to some restrictions, obviously not being, say, a financial planner, I can't actually recommend specific areas to my clients. Uh, nor can I tell them to buy a property or or not buy that property. It's more of a conversation that we have based on the pros and cons. Uh, They may ask specific experiences that I've had in that area or other clients that have had in that area, and I do share a lot. So I'm I'm a big believer in what I've learned. It's it's there for me to share with everyone else, Um, but only really specific to my own journey, maybe a couple of my other clients' journey. It's not really information that I'm giving them so they can make a you know, a cutthroat decision based upon what Jeremy says, but it's more so just sharing the knowledge. Uh, and I try to do that with a lot of my clients where I just share the knowledge about, say, what I've done or what I've looked at in that area and what things that they should consider when they look at that area. And then we really go through the pros and cons and we make sure that the numbers do work um, in relation to their goals and objectives, of course. At only 27, Anazani already possesses an impressive portfolio. So at present, there's about 10 investment properties which I do hold and there's a duplex which I'm currently building in Leppington in the state of Willowdale and that duplex uh, should be completed within say the next 6 to 8 months, taking the total property portfolio holding up to 12 um, because that will be times titled when it's finished. that's the value kind of fluctuates depending on how we look at it and it really depends on the end result but i would assume the value of those 12 properties on a gross basis should be anywhere close to around about say four four and a half maybe five million depending on end results and the total equity in that portfolio should be close to around about one to one and a half million with a notable equity of around 25 percent from these properties it's undeniable that he knows his stuff he attributes this knowledge to his intense research ethic which he dates back to his very first property. I started my first property in areas that I knew. Um, so as I said, I grew up in the area of Kasula and I knew the Campbelltown region and Liverpool region quite well. And at that stage, the prices were, were fairly different back in 2011, 2012, I think maybe late 2011. Um, and I researched that area for quite some time. So I was very, uh, I procrastinated quite a bit, mate, to be very honest. 
Uh, I, I spent about a good year researching the market, researching that area, attending lots of open homes, attending lots of different auctions just to get an understanding and feel of what the, the conditions were in the market. I spoke to a lot of real estate agents, uh, wasted a lot of real estate agents' time. I have to say sorry in advance to all those people. Despite the time that Anazani believes he wasted, this research and experience has proved vital to his overall property investment journey. It all was part of my learning and it was all part of my journey. And it, what it did was it gave me an experience to understand what I didn't want in a property and what I did want. And I remember uh, getting a phone call at about 9 o'clock at night from a real estate agent and they said, Jeremy, I've got this three better, two bath, one garage home in an area of St. Andrews. Um, it was on the market for about 350 um, he said to me, Jeremy, look, we, we do need to uh, to make a quick pace on this particular property. There's some circumstances that the vendor's going through. And straight away, through my learning and journey, I knew that this was an opportunity for me to uh, find a property at a good price. So I made an offer over the phone and I said, look, I'm prepared to pay $315,000 and I'm happy to sign a contract tomorrow at 7 o'clock on the basis I look at the property. And as you can be aware, a real estate agent would be quite hesitant to... Uh, to get up at quite early and see and take someone to visit a property at 7 o'clock in the morning. But I made it very clear that I want this property and you'll be there at 7 o'clock because I will sign it if it is good and it is good as you say it is. So there I was at 7 o'clock in the morning. I spent 30 minutes, looked at the location, looked at the property, tried to absorb it, see anything that I could uh, notice straight away. And the contract was signed by about 8.30 in the morning. And I purchased my first property um, within the space of 12 hours the three hundred fifteen thousand dollars, and today's value, it's worth about six hundred to six fifty. Despite such a hasty decision, he really scored an amazing property as his first purchase, and one that was located amongst all the infrastructure you could ask for. It was on the cusp of a very, very good area called Denham Court. Now, Denham Court, there are at this present time three to four million dollar homes, and it's right next to a suburb where I bought St Andrew, St Andrews, where the home median price would be close to about six hundred today. So I knew straight away that you know there would there potentially may be a bit of a catch up effect. It was located close to the M5. It was located close to the stations, being Minto Station. It had shopping centres not too far away from it, and it, it was in a very good suburb, I would say, a suburb that was not dominated by renters, but more so by home occupiers um, or, or owners, homeowners in that instance. So I knew straight away that it had a good street appeal and it had a good foundation for a property to increase in value. And um, those are the real basis that I look at. I don't want to be into a, a very heavily rent-dominated area because there's a lot of competition. Also, sometimes the area can unfortunately be dragged down a little bit because maybe some people aren't as proud of their home as it's not theirs. Um, I also look for infrastructure, so schools. The local school was only around the corner. It had many different child centres as well had a shopping centre and a very small local shops and a very large shops all within about five kilometres. Uh, it had a train station within about five kilometres. It had entrance onto the M5 heading towards Norellan within a couple of kilometres and entrance towards the M5 and M7 within, say, kilo, within about a five to ten kilometre radius. So it had all the different attractions and foundations that I wanted from a property portfolio as far as infrastructure, schools, amenities, um, as well as just a nice suburb. Mm. So it really ticked all my boxes from what I had seen and, and what I saw was a good property as well. For Anazani, his worst investing moment came from branching out his portfolio without the base knowledge that supported his other purchases. But from this came the lesson that quality, not quantity, makes the portfolio. 
I don't tend to share too much of my, my bad stories, but I definitely will on this particular instance. Mate, I, um, I bought about three or four properties. I had about four or five properties. I can't remember at that particular stage. And I was all about, well, I've got some properties. It cost me a little bit of money, not a lot. At that stage, interest rates were a lot different and the rents were a lot different. Uh, things have since looked up since then, but I was all about cash flow at that stage. I said, well, I've got to support this property portfolio. I don't want to pay, spend any money out of my back pocket. So I started to look for very cash flow properties. And I found an area in Cowra, um, which is regional Australia, about probably six, seven hours, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less away from Sydney. And I bought a duplex, um, genuine, genuine duplex, two lettings, and I paid about $160,000 for it. The rent on that duplex with both of them rented was about 340 to 360 per week. So genuinely cash flow property. Problem was, is that getting tenants to stay there longer than three to six months became a, a very real problem. And getting both sides rented of that duplex was also a very, very real problem as well. And initially that property that for the 12 months that I had it, um, I probably had both sides of the duplex rented for no longer than about one month or two months. Therefore, I was only really obtaining between 130 and, and 160 a week. And that cash flow property was quite cash negative in the end. Uh, quite a bit of repairs and maintenance um, had to be done on that particular property as the tenants that I was getting weren't fantastic. So that journey, uh, unfortunately, was a journey for me that I realized quite quickly that you know, it's, it's about the condition, it's about the location rather than just about pure cash flow. Um, and the property really didn't grow by much in that 12 months. I was able to exit that property after 12 months um, for relatively the same price, a little bit more, obviously, take into account stamp duty commissions. I walked out with that property fairly break even. But it was a, it was a very good lesson for me to learn because I tried to speed up the property portfolio rather than continue to what I knew best was foundations, infrastructure, amenities. And uh, it comes down to maybe a little bit of greed as well. Um, you know, I wanted more properties. I wanted the number rather than the quality. So I learned very quickly again that it's not about the number of properties you have. It's the quality of the portfolio. Mm. And it's how the portfolio performs as a whole in capital growth, in cash flow, rather than just focusing purely on just one facet of investing, which is cash flow. This is a common journey for beginning property investors valuing cash flow over anything else. The idea of not having to pull money out of their own pockets in the short term is very enticing. It's a very common conversation to have with my clients. You know, we, we talk about does $2,000 a year really change your life, passive income? Um, and I always say that we need to understand what are we getting into it for. $2,000 a year, while it does help, um, it's not going to be as lucrative or as profitable as a potential fifty to sixty thousand dollar capital growth in in the space of say one or two years. So I, I tend to really ask my clients that what's the purpose of this property? What is your goal? What is your objective? What are you aiming to achieve? And if a couple grand per year is what you want, then that property might be a very good fit for your portfolio. But if you're after a bit more of a rapid acquisition plan where you are looking to buy, release equity and continue the portfolio buying again, then we really need to understand, well, does $2,000 help offset any potential capital growth that we could get from a property that may cost us $2,000? But it's not to say that a cash flow property can't be a capital growth property. Um, So we we do need to really look at the, the individual property that we are buying in the basis of its location and what positives and negatives it does have.
Although we may have already covered Anazani's worst investing moment, there is still much for you listeners to learn about property investing from the first property that he bought. This property was uh, a very sentimental property as it is my first property that I ever bought. Uh, I had tenants in there and I really started to see the clear indications that things weren't going right. I was very behind in, in, in I, when I say I, the tenants were very behind in rent. It was actually about 10 weeks in arrears before I really started to you know, ask what's going on. Um, you know, what else is happening to the property if they're not paying rent? Is there other things that are happening that I'm not aware of? Um, so we got onto the property manager and the property manager went through all the processes of tribunal and other things and finally removed the tenants after about 18 weeks. And again, that was a bit of a learning curve and a bit of a journey to go through about the processes of, of, of getting a tenant out. It is a quite a lengthy process. It's not a matter of asking them to leave. There is avenues to go through by tribunals, second tribunals and, and sheriffs. So I learned quite quickly that you know buffers in place were very important. But when I saw that property's condition after the tenants left during that 18-week period, mate, it was completely a different property. Um, doors missing, stolen ovens, stolen hot water systems, holes in walls, drawings, feces on the floor, um, you know, you name it, mate, this property was absolutely ruined. From there was even more hard work and heartache for him as he had to pay for the damages of the tenants. But the silver lining is the education this experience gave him for the rest of his property investing journey. And in the end, mate, it, it did cost me um, about $35,000 in actual physical cash um, to repair this property and that was just to bring it back up to a rentable state. Um, no major renovations occurred, just more so fixing up kitchens and replacing things, putting back ovens, um, obviously ripping up carpets and polishing floorboards, repairing holes in walls, paintings, new hot water system. So a lot of the things were more repair in nature rather than a huge cosmetic upgrade. But then what I did, and this is where the little bit of the silver lining came through, was I did have landlord insurance. And that landlord insurance did cover some of the costs. And I think by memory, I got back close to about 15000 out of 35. So that did help quite a bit. Um, having to spend only 20 out of my back pocket as opposed to 35 was a huge help. But the silver lining was that the value of that property went from about 380 at that last valuation stage closer to about 500. So by spending that $35,000 less than 15, about 20 out of my back pocket, I was able to uh, get an, a market value from the bank of 500K and I was able to actually extract a further $100,000 from that property. And that extraction of equity led on to property number you know, six, seven, eight, and, and I think I'm still using maybe some of that equity today um, for, for deposits and, and for other things for the property. So a little bit of silver lining out of a very bad situation, but again, it taught me a lot of lessons. Obviously, number one, to keep on top of things, don't let things go too far. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always constantly checking up with my, my agents to ensure how things are traveling. With my properties, I do request my agents to go visit them at least a couple times, maybe three or four times a year if they can. Um, and I do try where possible to visit the property because I didn't visit that property for a couple years. So again, a lot of things I learnt um, being quite green in the property investment journey and, and all things that have helped me. Yes, it's cost me a bit of money, but on the other side, it's it's been a fantastic experience for my development and uh, contributed quite a bit to a number, of, a number of the procedures that I implement today. That learning experience of his first property definitely gave Anazani some aha moments of realization and allowed him to grow as a property investor. 
typically I invest in the lower socioeconomic areas, so I'm always going through some trials and tribulations at any one point of stage, any one point in time. So it's one of those things that I always make sure that I do have my buffers in place, and I try to keep at least three to six months of all my expenses, of all my interest for my properties as a buffer amount. Uh, that just, you know, for me, it gives me that very good safety net that if my property portfolio as a whole was not rented, there would be enough money to cover it for at least three three months, maximum of maybe six, depending on how I can stretch it. Um, very rarely will you have your whole property portfolio not rented, but at any one point of time, I may have one property or two properties not rented. I may have everything rented for, for, for a period of time. So it really comes down to um, the buffers that are in place. That's very important, number one. And uh, probably the, the, I suppose another bad one that I've had is, is probably just um, tenants, man, more tenant-related issues. Um, where they do some things to neighbours, or you know, and and it causes you a lot of grief. Not necessarily have you done anything wrong, but you're dragged through the mud when tenants uh, destroy neighbours' properties, or uh, or potentially um, affect neighbours quite a bit. Maybe their health or mental health. So those have been a couple other things that I found quite quite interesting about the property investment journey was just you know that you are responsible for your tenants that are inside your house, even though they may not be doing anything to your house and something at someone else's house, you are potentially responsible for that. Overcoming issues like this takes time and foresight, two things that he has mastered over his property investment journey. Keeping a finger on the pulse and I had some good property managing in place. So, we're able to um, to get rid of the tenant, um, you know, able to evict the tenant on a number of different grounds. So, those are the things that, I, um, that I've implemented. I'm having some good real estate agents very knowledgeable about the property management space. Um, and and it's been good, mate. It's been good because the last thing we want to do as a landlord is you put someone in your house. Number one, who can damage your house, but number two, you know, disrupt the um, I suppose the neighbourhood um, because in the end, these people are your neighbours whether you live there or not. And you know, it's good. It, I think it's a good thing to be good to your neighbours because if the property is not rented or even if it is rented, you do want your neighbours on your side who are telling you when things are happening or just generally overlooking your house to make sure nothing does happen. So be good to your neighbours, mate. That's what I can always say. With all this experience and knowledge under his belt, Anazani is excited for the next step of his property investment journey. I've taken the next step um, in, in the property investment journey more now into a construction and development phase. So I'm going back through my existing portfolio and finding where I can add value and that, that value could be through some subdivision, that value could be through some granny flats, that value could be through some knockdown and rebuilds or knockdown and duplexes. So I've always tried to buy properties, number one, I've tried to buy properties where I see the value but number two, I've always tried to look for properties where there's a bit of a twist, where there's a bit of a value add. I'm a big believer in manufacturing equity. I'm not a huge fan of just letting letting uh, Mr. Time take its... Um, take its toll or take its its place in its journey. I'm a big fan of manufacturing equity where we can. So for me now, it's all about going through my existing portfolio and improving it, uh, number one, from a cash flow perspective and number two, from a capital growth perspective. And so I can utilize those funds to go ahead and chase the next stage in my journey, which is more the development side. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in a couple of things with some family and also a couple of things with some, um, with some clients or friends of mine. 
And um, I want to do a couple of things for myself, where whether it's just buy a small block of land, subdivide it and do a townhouse development or a unit development, but nothing on a big scale, more, everything on a very small scale. So that's what I'm most excited about my investment property journey, mate. It's getting into that next stage. This new strategy of buy, add value, then drive equity and jump onto the next property is his unique version of the traditional buy and hold. I always believe that you should have a good portfolio where it is a buy and hold portfolio. Um, because you do need that solid foundation to work from. Um, it's very hard to, you know, jump into it straight away and being very green in the overall, I suppose, transaction trying to develop something. So it is a process I believe every client should go through or every person should go through, which is, you know, buy your solid foundation properties, things that are not going to lose you money, but help and aid you to make money. And then that's where you can go back and uh, extract some equity to look at some different things and different alternatives and different options with inside the property investment journey you're in. So, inspired by this story and what Jeremy Anazani is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast where we talk about how to apply the strategy. So, I really had an aggressive saving strategy which was all very important in, in my portfolio. The resources that he sought... I had a lot of resources. I used, um, obviously, you know, we all use realestate.com and domain, but but I really utilized realestate.com. And what learning devices he recommends for aspiring property investors? I, I like to listen to, obviously, a lot of podcasts, uh, such as what, what yourself, the Tyrone, that you're doing. And that's in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>